Welcome to episode 47. Have you tried intermittent fasting? Maybe you've avoided it after hearing on the rumor mill that it wasn't a great idea. Or maybe you've tried it and it didn't go so well. Well, a lot of the misinformation and the poor experiences out there with intermittent fasting are just simply a lack of understanding about biology and knowing where the hype and fad starts and ends. And so on today's show, I'm going to talk you through five common myths that lead to the fear or negative experiences that surround intermittent fasting. All right, let's dive into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome to another episode. I'm so excited you're here. I'm buzzing right now because via complete coincidence, I am in a fast. Now, today's show is on intermittent fasting, but currently I am in the middle of a three-day, 72-hour water fast, which is something I'll do another podcast episode on soon. But I'm at about... Oh, what, what? I'm about... 30 hours into the fast right now, so and I'm really feeling good. This is really the time where I really peak in my energy levels. And yeah, so it's just a coincidence that I'm talking to you guys about fasting whilst in the middle of a fast. Now, today's episode is brought to you by my DMs on Instagram, pretty much. (laughs) And the questions that I get from clients, and not only clients, but people at seminars, events. Um, I get asked to speak in a lot of people's private Facebook groups for their businesses, weight loss groups sugar freedom groups, all sorts of things. And I've compiled these five myths or questions or misconceptions that I regularly get asked about or I hear people say to me. And this doesn't just include, you know, your everyday person that wants to lose a bit of weight. This also includes practitioners, health practitioners that uh, ask me these questions or say that their clients can't do it for X, Y, Z. And, and so, a few, there's only five, obviously, but you know, I'm going to try and cover a lot of the most fundamental things that surround this topic specifically because I hear them all the time, right? And YouTube is loaded with them. Podcasts are loaded with them. They're everywhere, all right? So, that is the reason. And towards the end, we're also going to chat about the things you can and can't consume in your fast window because that is the, that is the number one question that I get. And guess what it's about? It's about black coffee. So, we're going to talk about that on point five. So, we're going to build up to it. All right. So, we're going to start with point number one. Myth number one. People say to me, I can't do the intermittent fasting diet or intermittent fasting is a diet and I'm, I prefer this diet or that diet. So, I hear people refer to intermittent fasting as a diet all the time. This is myth number one. Intermittent fasting is not a diet and it is not calorie restriction. So, most people go on a diet to lose weight and therefore, they have to be in a calorie deficit. Therefore, they must restrict calories in order to get weight loss. Intermittent fasting is not a calorie deficit diet. And this is a big problem because the word diet, and I mean, it has the word die in it. Like, what more do we need to know that that word is bad and going on diets are bad? But the point is that intermittent fasting is not not a diet and the, the, the cultural perception and societal perception of the word diet just really tars intermittent fasting with the wrong brush because it is not a diet. Intermittent fasting is simply a pattern of eating and not eating. It is not 
specifically calorie restriction, although studies show that calorie restriction results from this, but at its most fundamental level, um, at its most fundamental level, intermittent fasting means that you're just moving, say you have 2,000 calories a day and you have them you know, from when you get up to when you go to bed, intermittent fasting is simply moving those calories into a shorter window of time and leaving a larger portion of time that you are not eating. That is it. That is not a diet. You're not calorie restricting purposely. You know, that might be an adjunct to your diet. And calorie restriction, as I said, often happens as a result of this simply because you're cutting out a portion of the day that you would normally be eating or even overeating, like snacking too much. A big uh, part of intermittent fasting is often, not always, often removing the snacks. But Myth number one, intermittent fasting is not a diet and does not fundamentally include calorie restriction. Now, I want to go a little bit further on this point to clarify what intermittent fasting specifically is. And it is not starvation either. A lot of people, and I get this question particularly from women, that fear they're going to go into starvation mode. Now, that is not the case at all. The difference between starvation and fasting or Sorry, there's three definitions here. So, fasting is what I'm doing right now. I'm in a water fast. Intermittent fasting is simply just very short bursts of fasting each and every day, right? So, the difference between those and starvation is that starvation is involuntary. You're a victim of starvation. You're in a situation where you're unable to attain nutrients, right? Fasting is completely voluntary, healthy, and if you ever enter into a starvation phase, then you're likely to have been without food for a very long time because because surprisingly, it actually takes the human body quite a long time to enter starvation mode. You can go weeks and weeks without food. Now, I'm not encouraging that on here, but it's something you can do. There's lots of YouTubers, there's lots of Instagrammers, there's lots of people out there that do it, that run courses and retreats where you can go and fast for three days. I'm doing that right now, three days, seven days, even up to 40 days. Now, um, just um, I'm trying not to digress here, but every religion on the planet, and keeping in mind I'm a scientist, I'm very much not religious, but every religion on the planet, independent of one another, has some type of annual fast built into their diet. Now, we've totally bastardized fasting these days in, in a religious context because the world's been so commercialized that now we say, oh, I've, you know, I'm going to go 40 days without one particular thing. But traditionally, the whole concept was that you actually went on a fast of nothing but water. And each individual religion has their own set of rules around that. But the point is that every year for centuries, (laughs) humans have gone at least 40 days without food and been fine. We're still here. We still made it right? So, that's even at 40 days, you don't enter into starvation or most people wouldn't, especially in our world where people are walking around with stored food, kilos and kilos and kilos of stored food energy on their frame. All right. So, that's number one. Let's get into number two. People come to me and say, oh, I tried intermittent fasting. It doesn't really work. Or they come to me after I do a talk and they're like, yeah, great talk, but I tried intermittent fasting and it didn't work for me. This is one of the big ones that I really want to clear up, right? You are doing intermittent fasting right now. 
If you're listening to this podcast, if you're not listening to this podcast, you're doing intermittent fasting right now. You're either in your feeding window or you're not, right? And when you're asleep, because every human sleeps, we are inherently intermittent fasting. This is why it's not a diet, because all intermittent fasting does in a nutritional context from a coach or a consultant, or if you apply it to your own life, is tweak the intermittent fasting schedule that you've been living by for years and years and years and years. We're just optimizing to a far more beneficial state and a far more rigid structure, the intermittent fasting that you've been doing for years, right? So, it's it's not that it doesn't work for you. It's just that you haven't applied it properly because all of human history, people have been intermittent fasting. They've been going for periods of time without food, whether it be days, weeks, whether it be hours, whatever it is. And they've been going for periods of time of feast, which, you know, traditionally and evolutionary, we feast once we've finished a hunt. We, you know, we catch the animal, we kill it. We've got no way to store it because it's way back when. And therefore, we go have a massive feast for a week. We're eating all this food, the little, the little community, little tribes feasting. And then well, we've got to go and hunt again. So, we might fast for a few days or weeks or maybe winter's here. And, you know, there's the point is this has been happening for a very long time. So, if you're saying it didn't work for you, you're just not applying it correctly. And, and when I say it doesn't work for you, most of these people come to me talking about weight loss. They're talking about fat loss more specifically. Now, if you try intermittent fasting and you hit a plateau straight away with your weight loss, there's other hormonal issues going on there, right? But the point is intermittent fasting has many functions. So, if you do it for weight loss, there's going to be gut benefits as well. There's going there's going to be gut healing benefits as well. One of the main reasons now I'm, you know, I'm I'm a very healthy guy and I'm not in any need to lose any weight, right? So, the reason that I do fast on a regular basis and water fast, you know, pretty regularly is because of the gut health benefits and the autophagy that happens. Autophagy is cellular recycling, okay? I'll do another whole episode on autophagy and apoptosis, right? But there's some of the benefits you can get instead of weight loss. Now, there's a ton of others, mental clarity, you know, just cleaning out your body, um, converting to ketosis, which inherently happens during uh, the fasting period, you're always in a state of glycolysis and ketosis, which is sugar burning and fat burning. The ratio is always there. You're not one or the other, right? But the point is that if intermittent fasting hasn't worked for you in a weight loss context, in, uh, then you are just applying it incorrectly and you need a coach or a consultant that understands how to manage your body through this process. Number three, people say, and I've heard this from practitioners as well, I can't fast because insert medical condition or my patient can't fast because insert medical condition. Now, just to clarify before I go on, when I'm in this episode, in in the entirety of this episode, when I talk about fasting or say the word fast, I'm talking about intermittent fasting. So, you eat every day. Food goes into the body. Sufficient nutrients and calories go into the body every single day, right? Now, the thing is, this very much relates to the point before. When people say they, don't, they have a medical condition or whatever thing and they can't do intermittent fasting, well, the reality is you're already intermittent fasting. Like you're a human. All you're doing is just cleaning up the cycles between feeding and fasting, between eating and not eating. You're allowing your insulin to drop, right? And your insulin is the hormone that goes up when you put virtually anything in your body, but primarily sugars and carbs. And, and the more you eat, the higher it goes. And the further the insulin goes up, 
the further away from fat burning you are and gut repair as well, right? Because your gut's loaded with work to do. It's not going to repair. That's one of the other added benefits of going on a prolonged water fast is that you give your gut the break that it hasn't had in probably multiple decades, right? We go to the gym, we work out our muscles. What do we do? We don't go again for another two or three days because our muscles need recovery. Most people don't take this basic logic to their whole entire gastrointestinal tract from their mouth to their anus. But that's one of the major benefits of intermittent fasting and that benefit is enhanced drastically through multiple-day water fasting, right? So... As I said with point two and now point three, the reality is you're already doing an intermittent fasting schedule. It's just that whatever your ratio is, is the ratio you're doing. So, the idea is that you can implement a solid, healthy intermittent fasting schedule that works in the context of your medical condition. And the other thing that I constantly hear too is that intermittent fasting adds stress to the body, which if you have a medical condition is of course not a good thing, right? Now, the reality is... A lot of the stress in these kind of dieting worlds come from the calorie restriction and the overexposure or underexposure to particular foods. So, when you're in an intermittent fasting schedule, there I do not believe and I I do not believe that doing this type of eating and not eating is going to be any more detrimental to the human body than constantly putting food in. So, the alternative to intermittent fasting is what? Literally grazing all day, having no period of not eating. And and by that I'm by period I'm referring to one hour. Like there's gonna be no single hour in your day at a bare minimum that you're not eating, right? So everyone's doing it and optimizing these things are going to is going to be a friendly approach to your hormones. Okay. It's gonna allow the up and down of the hormones, right? And that's what you want. You want to do this. You want to do this. And this is good for the body in virtually all contexts. And there's not many contexts that aren't going to benefit from getting all the nutrients they need and, and a period in which they're healing. Now, some people say that with with that with the fasting window, that's when the stress is added to the body. But intermittent fasting, you eat every day, right? You eat every day. Unless, of course, you're malnourished, you're anorexic, your orthorexic, or any of these types of things, which are all psychological issues, I might add, then having a 16 or 18 hour fasting window each day isn't going to be so detrimental to your body. Your adrenals are only going to be overloaded if if you're under eating, if you're not getting everything in. And if you've got stress issues and the fasting window is adding pressure to your adrenals and it is adding load to your stress system, that's not an issue with intermittent fasting, is it? That's an issue with your stress management system, okay? So, that's number three. <clears throat> so, picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. 
Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. All right, number four. Number four, ladies, this is for you because I get this all the time. Number four, women shouldn't fast, right? I hear this from friends. I hear this from practitioners. I hear this from everyone. I hear this from people that don't know anything about health. I hear this from people that know lots about health, right? And keep in mind, that's not to judge anybody because the reality is fasting, especially from a science research perspective, is very new. We've only been really studying this for the last 10 years, okay? And generally speaking, uh, from to go from uh, benchtop to bedside, as we say in translational research, it is about 17 years, right? So, the stuff that the doctors are currently implementing or and in many fields is 17 years old. Like, that's often how long it just it takes to get that process to happen. So, you know, that's that's what they that's why that's why there's no judgment when I when I say any of these myths because it's so easy to be confused right now and there's so much more research to be done. So, let's go into it. Women shouldn't fast. Now, I hear this all the time and there is a tiny bit of credence to it, but I'm going to talk from my experience and my understanding of just all the data I've collected from reading research, from consuming content online of women that have tried fasting and not gone well with it. All right. So, women can absolutely fast, right? Absolutely. They were a part of human history too, right? We didn't, all the women didn't die out when we were in a famine period multiple times a year, walking across the country or the globe and traveling around, uh, you know, in the Paleolithic era or any of those eras, you know, there was regular, 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 regular periods of fast. And women were there too, and they survived just as much. Now, the biggest problem that women find, or the most reported issue with women is amenorrhea. And that is the loss of period. So, the period is not a survival function of the body, right? So, the reproductive system is obviously only going to be engaged normally when the body's survival is not at threat and the body itself is fully supported nutritionally, metabolically, and it's just the powerhouse that it should be. And when the when that goes downhill and the survival of that woman's body is threatened, the body has a hierarchy of priorities and it cuts certain things. The same with men, it cuts off certain things. So, here's, here's a little interesting example of the hierarchy of priorities in the human body. Where, who has a sore back? You ever uh, have a sore back? The spinal, the discs in your back and the spinal fluid is one of the last places in the human body to receive water and hydration. So many people in the Western world have back issues and probably all of the world have back issues, right? Now, I'm not suggesting that it's just through a lack of hydration, but I'm saying that there is a hierarchy of priorities in the body and getting water to spinal fluid is one of the last priorities for the human body for whatever reason it it is that's an evolutionary thing that's come out of that's come out of history but it's the same with the period right it's the same with the period the period is not a survival function of the body and the body can switch it off in order to preserve the woman's body now 
we are in the first world. We have food available. Intermittent fasting is, again, not about removing nutrients. All of the meals you have, especially if you're my client, on a intermittent fasting schedule are going to be colorful, diverse, have all the nutrients that you need from all food groups, right? Now, the thing is that women often, I believe, go into fasting with a diet mentality, right? They go into intermittent fasting with a diet mentality. And this, we can probably blame a lot of this on society for just fucking us up with image-based issues and marketing and advertising and, you know, sexualizing everything to the point that, you know, women and men too, but predominantly women really just don't feel good enough and never feel okay with who they are and their bodies. And that's facilitated, well, decades and decades and decades of yo-yo dieting. But it's created that cultural and societal movement towards dieting all into the, the, the brains of the people that try intermittent fasting. So, what do we do? Intermittent fasting. All right, I'm going to start intermittent fasting tomorrow. First diet thing, you've started it tomorrow, like you've given it a date and I'm going to do it for how many weeks? So, you've given it a deadline, you've already made it a diet-ish kind of thing and you go in hard. You go in hard to intermittent fasting. This is a common thing and the, uh, for people, and this is men too, we go into it incorrectly. We just go straight in, we're like, right, I'm intermittent fasting today, I'm doing 16-8, look at me go. When you're normal, and I find this with all my clients, their normal is about 12-12. Now, anybody who is overweight or seeking to lose weight and is trying to avoid problematic weight loss or regain should not dive into any kind of dietary or nutritional change rapidly because if you dive in rapidly, you throw a curveball at your already dysregulated system, okay? So, if you dive off on day one and just cut four to five or six or, I don't know, eight hours off what was your baseline normal, your hormones are going to shit themselves, right? So, taking that hardcore dieting approach or that yo-yo diet as approach to intermittent fasting will absolutely damage the uh, period that you have or, or damage the process of your period happening happening naturally. So, that's one of the most common reasons why women have problems. Now, women are more susceptible to these hormonal changes or to these dietary changes because a female body is designed to carry life. So, it needs to be nutritionally complete and receive nutrition regularly. But the point is that we're not trying to starve the body. We're still getting all the nutrients in the right window. And there's two things here. Women are more likely to inherently calorie restrict themselves whilst intermittent fasting. And remember, that's not the goal of it, right? We're just shifting the same amount of calories into, the, into a window. And the second thing that women are more likely to do is be hormonally affected by these drastic changes, right? You, you might lose your period for a while. And, and there's other hormonal issues as well. But what I want to say is that women can absolutely fast. They should walk into fasting one half an hour, one 30-minute slot at a time right? Because you don't want to just screw your hormones up. It's the same with men. I have male clients that I do with the same thing with because guess what? If you're already overweight, you already have some level of hormonal dysregulation. And so, for us to try and fix the problem and maybe even lose some fat, we need to step slowly into making positive sustainable change. So, number four was that women can't fast and women absolutely can fast. You've just got to do it the right way with the right nutrients and the right support systems around you to understand what is happening with your body. 
All right, number five, the last one, and probably the most common one, I would say, and that is that black coffee is okay to have in a fasting window. Oh, my God. No. No. I hear this so much, and there's so many YouTubers that are just putting stuff up to, you know, get followers and likes, so they're like, oh, yeah, this guy said that I can have coffee, so I'm going to follow him because he says what I want to hear. The reality is... Anything you put into your gut, and remember, the in, part of the intermittent fasting journey and schedule is that your gut has a, a solidified amount of rest from digesting food. It gets a break from not having to do all the shit you've been piling into it for decades. It's the same with black coffee. If you're on a 16-8 schedule and you wake up and you know, you're at whatever hour it is then, 12, 13... 10, whatever hour it is, and you have a black coffee, you have ended your fast window. I don't care how low the calories are in coffee. I don't care that black coffee is zero calories. This is not about calories. Intermittent fasting, I've said it so many times, it's not about calorie deficit. You can couple it with calorie deficit, but the amount of calories in a black coffee is irrelevant because you're still giving your gut digestive and metabolic work to do. You're switching the system on. And guess what? To boot... People that have a black coffee in the morning because you've switched the factory on and no employees have gone in, aka no calories and, and a lack of nutrients, you get hungry, right? The hunger disappears very fast on, on in the fasting window once you start practicing intermittent fasting. And if you tease the system by switching the entire fasting window on and all the metabolic processes and digestive hormones and whatnot on and you don't supply... Your hunger is going to go through the roof. You're going to be a crazy person. You're going to be ordering pizza at seven in the morning because you're like, shit, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I'm, my hunger's through the roof and, you know, I've, I just had one coffee. That's it. I don't know why. I don't know why. That's because you turned the system on. When you're in a fasting window having no food and no input, and I'm not talking about water. We should always drink water. Water is the only thing you can put in. But when we put anything in, and I had a client once, and I, I've talked about this guy before, I think, on the podcast. I love him to bits, and he, he lost a bunch of weight on my program. 12 weeks, he lost uh, – no, six weeks. He did he did six weeks, and we lost 12 kilos. Um, again, not calorie restricting. We didn't calorie restrict. Um, but the point was that he had this little uh, devil on his shoulder that would get him to have one, one or two or three almonds, just a tiny amount of almonds, and then he would be insane. Late at night, he'd be losing his mind, couldn't sleep because he was hungry. Same thing. You are better off not teasing the system with a tiny bit of nutrition and then the system saying, hey, you, you turned all the lights on. Well, bring in the employees to the warehouse. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh, there's no food. Well, we'll turn your brain on and make your brain go and find us some really high calorie food since you're not satisfying us. Next minute, ordering a pizza and eating Mars bars. Oh, shit. Fell off the bandwagon, right? Same with black coffee. Same with black coffee. You can't have it. You can't have it in your fasting window. Maybe that means you move the time that you have your feeding window. That's okay. But the point is black coffee is a no deal for your fasting window at all. If you have anything other than water or salt, salt, you can add salt to the water. If you have anything other than salt or water, you are breaking the fast. It's the end of the fast. Alrighty, so that's the uh, covering the five myths that I've talked about today. I'm hoping that you guys liked it. Of course, if you learnt something, please take a screenshot, share it with a friend, chuck it up on the gram or whichever 
social media platform you choose to hang out on. LinkedIn's becoming a real thing these days. Shout out to me over there. I'm just getting started over there. So, um, yeah, say hey. Say what's up. Um, anyway, give it a share. Tag me, of course, at Maddie Lansdowne. And if you want to give intermittent fasting a go and you've got any questions, don't hesitate to shoot a DM across or, you know, just let me know how your journey's going. I love hearing people resting their guts, resting their guts, jumping on an intermittent fasting schedule. Anyway, if you follow me on social media, you'll be able to hear me talk about my journey across my fast, um, although this episode will come out after that. But I do uh, two or three or four or five day fast about once every two months, I'd say. So, follow me online, you'll be able to keep up to date with how those go, how I, how I feel, how I handle the different hormonal uh, things that happen during those periods. And I'm a bit of a seasoned veteran now. I've been fasting like this for a couple of years. So, got any questions? Hit me with them. Anyway, guys, love having you here as always. And I will catch you on the next episode. Peace. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.